And I also want to welcome you. My name is Pastor Steve, and uh, we're going to have a great day in the house of the Lord. Uh, We're glad you're here, and we hope that when you walk out of here shortly that you really understand God loves you and that God can help you, whatever you're facing right now. And so we're really rejoicing that you're with us in worship today. Now, I know some of you may be Dodger fans. You're sad, and I'm sorry, but uh, there's always next year, right? Uh, I've enjoyed some great baseball this uh, weekend watching the Mets and the St. Louis, and uh, not much to see there with Detroit. I didn't even watch that. But uh, anyhow, there's some good things to celebrate. By the way, uh, I wanted to do this publicly. I think the I really like the the Board of Deacons to listen up right now. I'd like them to buy me a new house because I need more entertainment space. I'd like to be able to have lots of people over. Don't you think that'd be a good idea for the pastor to have a, a nice big house to entertain in? Um, this is just Pasadena, you know, just ordinary folks. What do you think a good house in Pasadena costs? I'm talking to you, and I'm listening. What? What's a house cost? Joyce said a million. Anybody else got an idea? A million plus, million and a half. Yeah, something like that. Well, I found I want a big house, and uh, I don't know if you can see this. And by the way, when we sing, I'd appreciate you scoot up a little bit. I think the rain has kept folks away. When you stand up again, come on up. But those of you up front, here's the house I want. $52 million. Can you believe it? In Pasadena, where is this place? I was going through the paper the other day, and I couldn't believe it. I opened this. This is a full-page ad in the L.A. Times, a house for sale here in Pasadena, $52 million. It's on five acres, and it's got pools, and I could have fuller students living there. I mean, we could have a great time. So think it over. Lean on a board member if you know somebody on the board. Uh, can you imagine who in the world would live in a $52 million house? That's, I tried to figure the property taxes on that alone. That'd be more than we make this month, wouldn't it? Anyhow, good to have you in worship. We do want you to feel welcome, so stand up, greet somebody. Let's kind of gather around a little closer and stay by the fire here. There was a little boy whose mom asked him to go out on the back porch and get the broom. It was nighttime, very dark. There was no light on the back porch, and he was afraid of the dark. And so he told his mom that he didn't want to go on the back porch to get the broom, and she understood he was afraid of the dark, and she thought she'd help him out, and she said, well, son, don't be afraid. Jesus is with you. Jesus is there, and, uh, you know, go get the broom, and he still stood there, resisted. He was just afraid, and so she thought, this is a teaching moment, and she said, honey, Jesus is everywhere. Jesus is always with you. Just go get the broom. Don't be afraid of the dark, so the little guy stood there for quite a while, and finally, he slowly made his way to the back porch And he cracked open the door and peered into the darkness, and he said, Jesus, if you're out there, could you please hand me the broom? (laughs) I'm sure there are times in life when you've taken a risk. All of us have taken steps that were risky at some point in our lives. And this morning I would like to talk to you a bit about risk-taking, venturing into new territory as a person. And this morning we're beginning a series we call Old Testament Challenge 2, OTC 2. And uh, this is the first Sunday of it. We'll be studying in the Old Testament in the months of October and November. You may recall last year we did OTC 1. We looked at the first five books of the Bible. What is the first book of the Bible? Genesis? Yeah. Exodus? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Those are the books of the law. And last year we took a look at those in the fall season. This year we're looking at the history books, or some of them, and we're going to be studying in um, 
Let's see. We're studying in Joshua, Judges, and Samuel. By the way, how many of you... Uh, where, where's the ushers? Who's ushering today? Ralph, do you have these green sheets back there on the table? Somewhere? Go and look for them. When you find them, wave. And I'll, if you don't have one of these reading sheets, I want to give you one today. But we've got a reading plan to take you through some of those books uh, during this season. So I'm going to encourage you to get the reading plan, this green copy, and uh, we'll, we'll give you that. And you can read along. Today, we're talking about the sixth book of the Bible. You found some. Raise your hand if you'd like one of these reading plans, and Ralph will bring you one. Um, just keep your... You, you need to get a helper there, Ralph. Maybe, Bill, if you... Or just keep your hand up, and we'll... Uh, anyhow, it's a big building. Get, just keep waving during the service. It'll entertain me, at least. Uh, the sixth book of the Bible is what? It's the book of Joshua. And as you go through Scripture, you come to the book of Deuteronomy... And it's all about Moses. And at the end of the book of Deuteronomy, you find that uh, Moses dies. And when you get finally to the book of Joshua, it begins with these words. And by the way, if you have your Bible, I encourage you to turn to the sixth book in the Bible, Joshua. Or there might be a Bible in front of you, and you can just turn to page 192, 3, somewhere in there. 194. And... The book of Joshua opens with this line. Anybody else need a reading schedule? Yeah, some of you. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. And then he goes on to tell him what he he said. And as you may know, Joshua was Moses' right-hand man throughout the life of Moses. And so he's quite elderly at this stage. And what's really happening, happening is the passing of baton from the leader Moses to Joshua, who will be the new leader. And, of course, it's quite a job that he takes over. And throughout this uh, chapter, there are a couple words that keep coming forth. And back down in chapter 1, verse 9, let me read that verse to you. It highlights these two words that are repeated several times. God speaking to Joshua says, I hereby command you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, that's a great uh, word for Joshua, and he's continually encouraged, be strong and courageous, because God's with you. Now, let's just recap for a minute. Moses, of course, had been born and raised in Egypt, and the people were slaves in Egypt. And they had been down there for about 400 years, and the book of Exodus is about what? The Exodus out of Egypt. And you recall, when they came up out of Egypt, all these people, Moses leading them, they were to go where? to the promised land. And ever since Abraham and Sarah met God, God had been saying to Abraham, I'm going to give you a land. And for about 400 years, all those Hebrew children were taught, you're going to get a land someday. You're going to get a land. It's a huge part of their storytelling, their mythology, their belief. And so they all knew someday we're going to get a land. Now, as they left Egypt, they went up to get the promised land. And you also know the story where they had no faith, and they didn't get the land. They wandered around for 40 years in the desert, dying off. Now, these kids of Joshua that he's going to lead, these aren't the people who came out of Egypt. They died. These are their children. And it's just Joshua and Caleb left, and the kids who were born wandering in the wilderness. They were born in the desert. They were nomads. They just lived out there. Now it's his job to take them where? into the promised land. And this morning we're going to talk about that. And uh, 
There's so many details we're leaving out, I'm sorry. But uh, let's go to that next slide. And uh, this is the land of Canaan. And it was owned and, you know, the Canaanites lived there. And as you can see at the top, there's the Sea of Galilee. There's where it says the desert. That's about where these people are right now. They are camped on the east side of the Jordan River. And they're getting ready to go over into the land. Now, they've already won some battles, and three tribes, actually two and a half, Reuben, Gad, and half-tribe of Manasseh, they're going to settle on the east side. They've been given land. So the promise has been fulfilled for them. They have their land. But in a beautiful statement about community, Joshua says, Now, you warriors, even though you now have your land, Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh, you have to come with us to the west side and conquer that. You can't just stay here and hang out in your own land. So they're getting ready to cross the Jordan River, and uh, we'll go to that next slide now. Now, the Jordan, this land is not very big. Mount Hermon is uh, at about 7,000 feet. And the snows and the rains that come to Mount Hermon run off and go into the Sea of Galilee. That's a familiar New Testament place, isn't it? Jesus fished there. The apostles fished there. Jesus was off and on the Sea of Galilee. He grew up east of there, or west of there. Now, the water runs down into the Sea of Galilee, which then comes down and flows out into the Jordan River and comes on down into the Dead Sea. It's about an 8,000-foot drop. You know what I'd like to do? You do, don't you? Get on my bike on Mount Hermon and ride down to the Dead Sea. I mean, you wouldn't have to pedal at all. You could just 8,000 feet descent. That would be a lot of fun. And uh, so that, that's where it was. Now, the Jordan River, we're going to talk mostly about that today. When you think Jordan River, I think Dan may have mentioned Missouri or something. Don't think Missouri River. We used to live right on the Missouri River. It's a huge, great river. Don't think the wide Mississippi. The Jordan River, uh, think more like L.A. Basin. Now, I think the Jordan always has water, but at normal stage, it's only three to five, six feet deep. You could walk across it in lots of places. It's a little river. And here's a couple pictures of the Jordan River that I took this week when I was flying over there in my uh, Learjet. Yeah. Uh, actually, they're not, they don't allow you to take pictures of the river in a lot of places. But uh, this is the Jordan River. You see, it's just a nice little river. Let's go to that other slide that shows you the kind of the valley there. There's not a great big river, so you get the idea. Now, our story takes place on the east side of the Jordan. That's where the people are camped. And they know now is the time to go into the promised land. And there are hundreds of years of history and teaching. They've been waiting for this moment. God has said, I'm going to give you a land. And so this is a, in their history, this is huge. And I want to begin now with chapter 3, verse 1. And we're going to spend most of our time looking in these two chapters today. It says, early in the morning, Joshua rose up and set out from Shittim with all the Israelites and came to the Jordan. They camped there before crossing over, before crossing over. Now, here's what I want you to work. If you have your own Bible, you might underline those words, crossing over, the very last words in chapter 3, verse 1. Because throughout chapters 3 and 4, these words come up over and over again. This section is all about crossing over the Jordan into the promised land. And so that's kind of a key word for us this morning, is, is to cross over into the promised land. That's what God is asking them to do, is to cross over into this new place. Now, as they begin to do that, um, the Jordan River, as I said, is not uh, much of a river. Let's Let's look at the, uh, let's back up a couple slides here. Um, did, are we, did we already look at the slides of how wide the Jordan is? Let's back up to the one that's at flood stage. There we go. Let's go to the next one. The Jordan River, when it's, uh, 
in its normal course, as I said, it's, it's not very wide, three or four or five feet deep. Now, when it floods, it goes to this stage, and it might be up to 150 feet deep. To give you an idea, uh, Terry has this gadget, and he told me from the back wall of that, where that window is, to where the organ is, that's about 150 feet, right, Terry? I think, I think that's what he showed me. So that's about how wide, at flood stage, the Jordan River would be. Not very wide. But, as you know, when a river floods, it gets deep, and so it could be 10 to, 12, uh, 10 to 20 feet deep. And, of course, it's running rapidly. You really can't cross it then because it's a torrent. The water's going fast. And so at flood stage, this is what can happen to the, George, uh, to the Jordan River. Now, this morning, as we're talking about stepping out in faith, I want to encourage you to step out in faith... And the first step is about crossing over. It's about taking a risk. And you can imagine, as these people begin to think about crossing over the Jordan, first of all, it's flooded. Verse 15 tells us, you know, it's not the normal stage. Isn't that always the case? When you get ready to do something big, some other complication comes up to make it more difficult. And so they were going to cross the Jordan. That's normally no problem. But now it's a problem because it's during the flood season. But as you think about crossing over, that's not the biggest issue. The real issue is this. When God asks us to step out in faith, as he was asking these people to go into the promised land, we know this story so well, we think, well, why wouldn't you go? That'd be great. Why, you know, what could be the problem here? Well, think about it for a moment. First of all, where have these people lived all their lives? These people, all their lives, have just been uh, wanderers. They've been nomads. And now they're going to be asked to... To cross over the Jordan, that, that's a problem. How do we get across? Secondly, when they get to the other side, what's over there? What's in the, the land of Canaan? What's in the land of Canaan? Canaanites, the enemy. Somebody else already lives there. You know, it's not their land. The Canaanites don't know that God has given it to them. And so they no sooner will get across the river than they've got battles to fight. There's an enemy over there that doesn't want them there. So that's a second problem. The third problem is this. Now, they don't know it at this time, and I'm going to skip ahead. After they get across the river and they're camped in Gilgal, uh, there's a problem of food. What had they been eating for 40 years? Manna. How did they get it? Go to the 7-Eleven and buy it? No, it fell on their head every morning. They just went out, scooped it up, ate it, done. Meals weren't a big deal in the desert, were they? It just kind of happened. What happened when they got across the river? In chapter 5, it says that there came a morning when God says, no more manna. What's that mean? Somebody's got to cook. Somebody's got to grow food. Somebody's got to climb up in the tree and pick the fruit. It's not going to be so easy anymore, is it? The manna's not going to fall on your head from heaven. So as we think about this from the Israelite perspective, there is a lot of challenge coming up, a lot of change. It might be easier just to stay in the desert than to go into that land where you've got to get over the river. It's flooded. You might drown. Once you get there, there's people that hate you. They're going to try to kill you. And not only that, God's cutting off the food supply, or so it seems. Now, I say that to say when you cross over, there is a risk involved. And as you and I think about stepping out in faith, as God calls us to step out in faith, there's always a risk It's always frightening. If it's not, you're not stepping out in faith. It's not faith at all. And this morning, as we think about the history of Israel, it really speaks to our own history. When has God called us to step out in faith? 
when you cross over, you take a risk. Now, let's look at this verse again that we read earlier. It says, early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from the Shittim, from Shittim and went to Jordan, where they camped before the Lord, before they crossed over. And I want to, again, underscore that idea of them crossing over. As you read this history, it all goes well until they realize what crossing over is going to really mean. Now, as you think of your life of faith, what is God asking you to do? What would be a step of faith for you? And I want to plant that question in your head this morning because I do think if you're a person of faith, if you're a follower of Christ, Christ is going to call you to take steps of faith all throughout your life. They're changed from one day to the next or one year to the next, but God will call you to take steps of faith. What is he calling you to do? What is the risk God's calling you to take? Now, it was mentioned earlier, our world mission offering is this month, and we're trying to raise $10,000 or more, I hope much more, to support our missionaries like Kit Ripley, who spoke last Sunday. We want to support her and our mission partners so that we have an influence around the world for people who are going forth in Christ's name to preach the gospel, to heal, to teach, to come alongside others, uh, and help them understand the love of God. It might be that, that your step of faith is you say, I never give to missionaries. That might be your step of faith to decide what is God calling me to give and you're going to give. It might be that there's someone in your world that you know you should talk to about Christ, but you just haven't taken that step of faith. It might be you have a personal problem, an addiction, some struggle, and you realize, I've got to deal with this. I cannot sweep it under the rug any longer. I need to take the steps to be whole and healthy and a true Christ follower. I don't know what your particular step is, but I think you know. And this morning, I want to encourage you, just as these people stood at the Jordan River and ready to cross over, God said, be strong, be courageous, don't be afraid, I'm with you. And they had to take up that challenge. And you have to decide for yourself, will you take a step of faith? And will you risk and will you follow God as God leads you. So as we start on this journey, the step of faith means crossing over. It means taking a risk. Now, the next, the next thing is that the first step is this. You step out in faith by taking the first step. By taking the first step. The law of the first step is God sometimes waits to act until we begin to move. Now, we're going to come to this scripture in just a minute, but I want you to try and think with me about what it would be like to be there. The, uh, the leader, Joshua, had said to the people, we're all going to go across together. Now, the women and children from, Gadi, from the Gadites and the Reubenites and the Manasseh, they were going to stay there. But the warriors from those tribes had to help with the battle. So they're all going to cross over. Who would you send across the river first? Well, I would think, you'd, you know, you get the Corps of Engineers out and they'd build a bridge and then the army would go across and, and be a defense and then, uh, you know, you'd have an order to the thing. But God's calling the shots here, and this whole chapter is just, this whole section is just odd. It's not how you and I would do it. God sent the priests first. I don't particularly like that, but I have to report what's in the Scripture. And he said, take the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of God, and the Ark of God is the symbol of God's presence. That's where God dwelt. Now, stay with me. The priests are going to carry the Ark because it's on poles, and so they're going to go towards this river. And it's rushing, and rivers get loud when they're in flood season. They're loud, they're wet, they're big, they're fast. And if I'm the first priest carrying this ark, 
you know, you get out to that river, I'd say, okay, God, I'm glad to do this, but when I'm about 150 feet from the river, I want to see something happen. You know, and they get closer, and they get closer, and the guy comes up to the river, and it's just raging on by, and he knows, if I fall in there, I'm dead. And if the ark of God falls in there, he's just liable to get mad and kill us all. I mean, can you see the ark of the covenant in the Jordan River, just going down the river, and everybody's standing there, oh, they, they would literally say, oh, my God. You know, that would be the worst thing you could imagine. And so what is this guy supposed to do, the lead priest? That's not the job you want that day the first guide of the river. Now, let's look at this scripture. It's in um, Joshua chapter 3. Let's read this together, in fact. Now, the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. Wow. I just wouldn't want to be that first guy. His sandals were literally getting wet, and all of a sudden this dam of water happened, and so the waters up on this side all stopped behind a dam, and the water below runs on down to the Dead Sea, and you have this huge empty riverbed. Now, that's not the end of it, because the priests march out to the middle and stop with the Ark of God, and they stand there, and all of Israel passes by about a kilometer downriver. They couldn't get close to the Ark. There's a measurement in there given. It's, it, they're a long ways from the ark, actually. But it's like the general, you know, who's going to review the troops, and he says the generals stand, and stand there and, and all the troops go by, you know, in a military thing. You remember that kind of... This is the kind of language here. The priests stop in the river. Now visualize this. Where's the water? Right behind them. I mean, you're just standing there shaking with the ark, you know. They didn't get to go across. They had to stop in the middle, and all of Israel goes by, these thousands of people. And I can just imagine, I mean, the lead priest said, hurry up, hurry up, go on now. This won't last forever. And he's right. And so they cross over, and finally, when everybody has crossed over, then the priest's going up to the other side, and all of a sudden, whoosh, here it comes again. Wow. Now, that's a big deal, and I, I hope that in your outline you will underline um, those words where it says in uh, verses 15 and 16, their feet touched the water's edge. Wow, their feet touched the water's edge. They took a risk. I was going through my file, and I was kind of brought up short. I was looking for illustrations. And I came across a poem. And it's, it's not a great poem. It's just one of these little Christian poems. But uh, the woman that sent it to me, the story behind it is, is what makes it great. This woman is a dear friend of, of Joyce and me and her husband. And one of the roughest seasons of our life emotionally was when uh, her six-year-old boy died, just like that, dropped dead in the playground of our school from a heart condition nobody knew about. It's their only child. These were tremendous parents who deeply loved their children. I've never seen anybody grieve like they grieve. In fact, the anniversary of Dale's death is this month. Well, Debbie, the mother of the boy, sent me this poem. And here's what it says. In the last lines, what the reason I'm reading it. There is a path his love is planning, which must mean the best for you. There are blessings, countless blessings, which are hidden now from view. And when we talk about a step of faith... We're talking about doing things when we can't see the end result, that we don't really understand. And that poor priest that had to put his foot in the water, I don't think he had any idea the river would stop. 
He's just doing what God told him to do. And uh, when God challenges us to step out in faith, it's like that. We just do what he tells us to do at that moment, at that time. Now, the problem is illustrated by a story you may have heard from preachers before, but there's a guy hiking up in the mountains, and it's a gorgeous view, you know, and he's looking over the panorama, and he gets too close to the edge, and he falls down the mountain, and he's about to drop off a 900-foot cliff when there's this scraggly tree growing out that he grabs onto, and he's swinging out there, you know, hanging onto this tree, and he looks down, and the canyon floor is way below him. He knows if he drops, he's going to be smashed to smithereens. And so he said, is there anybody up there? Help! Help! And he starts yelling for help. And, of course, uh, in a voice that I can't really imitate, God says, yes, I'll help you. He said, who is it? It's me, the Lord. Can you help me? Yes, I can help you. Well, help me. What do I need to do? Just let go. What? Let go. No, I'll die. No, you won't die. I'll catch you. Long silence. Is there anybody else up there? You know, that's usually the way what we think is God's plan is oftentimes just too scary for us. So we say, isn't there another plan? Don't I, can't I find a different way? Can I stop risking? You know, I don't want to let go. But come on now, we're talking about stepping out in what? Faith. It's a step of faith. Some call it a leap of faith, and that's what we're talking about about this morning. Now, we have a number of students, some of you going to Fuller, some of you going to other schools here, and uh, you're trying to prepare for your future, and you're, you know, you're broke, you don't have any money, you don't have any sleep, you study all the time, and you really have no idea what you're going to do when you get out, for most of you. But you think, this is what I should do right now. It's a step of faith, and that's the way life is. And so this morning, I want to encourage you by this rich story in... Joshua chapter 3, of what these folks did. God told them to go into the promised land. It wasn't as easy as you first think. Oh, the river rolled back, they walked through, they took the land. It wasn't like that at all for them. And it's never like that for us as we step out in faith. For us, it's always a challenge, it's always a risk. But you have to take the first step. You have to get your sandals wet if you want to see God respond in your life. Now, one more comment. This is from chapter 4, and I want to talk to you about stones. Turn to your neighbor and say, did he say stones? (laughs) Let's talk about stones. You step out in faith by remembering God. You step out in faith by remembering God. Let's read this scripture together. There are lots of stones talked about or rocks talked about in chapter 4. The chapter ends like this. Would you read this with me? He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. I want to talk to you about remembering because something great happened on this day to the people of God and God wanted them to remember it. And great things have happened in your life and God wants you to remember them. Because you see, as you remember past experiences of faith, you're able to take greater steps of faith in the future based on what God has done for you in the past. Now, I said there was some talk about stones. It's actually kind of confusing whether they built two two memorials or, or one, but there is a memorial that's set up right in the middle of the river, it looks like. And so while the priests are there with the ark and the river and people cross over, there's these rocks. And Joshua says to 12 men of Israel that he selects, take the rocks 
and take them to the camp now on the west side, and we're going to build a memorial. And he says, when your children see these rocks, you're going to say, you know, let me tell you the story about those rocks. Were the rocks important? No, they don't matter. It's what they represent that matters. And Joshua explained to the people, I want you to always tell your children what God has done for you as you crossed over. Tell them about this great victory today. Don't forget what God has done. And this morning, Dan shared with us what God has done in his life. Don't ever forget the day you met Jesus Christ and what Jesus Christ has done for you. You ought to memorialize that and remember that, all that God has done. And there are many other steps of faith you've taken when God met you and provided, and you should be remembering those steps of faith. Now, what's the point of it all? Well, if we could put that verse back up there, what is the point of it all? Was it about Israel? Was it about the Jordan River? Was it about uh, their step of faith? Not really. It was about God. And see that verse? God did this so that everybody may know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and that so they may always fear the Lord. And you and I are to share our God stories, what God has done for us, because it helps us remember God is powerful in our life. And it encourages somebody else in their faith. And God wants everybody in the world to know about himself. And so we need to be people who share our faith. This morning, uh, what is it the Lord's asking you to do? In your worship folder is this outline. And I've got a couple questions there that I would like for you to be thinking about this morning. And if you were to truly take a step of faith, what would that mean for you? Now, It'll mean something different for just about every one of us. But what would it mean to truly step out in faith personally in your life? And secondly, I'd like to ask you, today a step of faith for our church would be, what do you think it might be? And if you have some words from the Lord about a step of faith for First Baptist Church Pasadena would be, put them on this card and turn them in. I'd like to read those for you. I was talking to a pastor just this week who pastors one of the largest churches in the San Fernando Valley. And he was sharing with me when he went to that church about 20 years ago that in his denomination there were 13 of those kinds of churches, his denomination, in the San Fernando Valley. About 10 or 12 years later, he was talking to a friend of the same denomination, and his friend said, you know, there are only five of our churches left in the valley. All those have closed. And he was telling me how it broke his heart because the gospel just wasn't going forth. Churches were closing instead of opening, and he's got this tremendous drive to start new churches around Los Angeles. I said, hallelujah. Well, why is First Baptist Church still here? What would be a step of faith for us? And I'd like you to think about that this morning. What is God asking you to do as you step out in faith? I want to close with this story, and then I'm going to ask you to read a a prayer with me about faith. Two seeds lay side by side in the fertile soil. The first seed said, I want to grow. I want to send my roots down deep into the soil beneath me and thrust my sprouts through the earth's crust above me. I want to unfurl my tender buds with banners to announce the arrival of spring. I want to feel the warmth of the sun on my face and the blessing of morning dew on my petals. And so she grew. The second seed said, I'm afraid. If I send my roots down into the ground below me, I don't know what I'll encounter in the dark. If I push my way through the hard soil above me, I may damage my delicate sprouts. What if my buds open and a snail comes along to eat them? 
And if I were to open my blossoms, a small child may pull me up from the ground. No, it's much better for me to wait and be safe. And so she waited. A yard hen was scratching around in the early morning spring ground. A hen looking for food found the waiting seed and promptly ate it. (laughs) Patty Hansen says, those of us who refuse to risk and grow get swallowed up by life. This morning I encourage you to join us on this journey to read Joshua, Judges, Samuel, and to step out in faith as God calls you. Would you stand with me and let's read this prayer, a prayer of stepping out in faith. Lord, I want to step out in faith today. Like Joshua, I want to be strong and courageous and obey you. Yet, Lord, I confess fear as I stand on the banks of the Jordan. The waters are high and swift and dark. What if this doesn't work, I wonder, and I don't know what is on the other side? After all, I have become used to eating manna, and if I step out, I know I will have to change. Still, Lord, I do want to take this step. So show me the way. Guide me each day. I will look to you in prayer. I will read your word as I follow Jesus. I know Jesus stepped all the way to the cross for us. So I thank you, and in Jesus' sweet name, and seek your help. Amen and amen. You may be seated.